Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Randy, how are you doing today? Man, it's been a rough two weeks. I've got, <laughs> I caught the flu two weeks ago. It hit like full blast about a week prior in the middle. And I have just been, it's been hard to breathe. That's all like it's it went after my lungs more than anything. So sure. I am, I'm on the recovery It every day is getting better, but, um, a lot of coughing, a lot of struggling to speak, had to cancel two speaking engagements because <laughs> I really, there's no way I could have breathe, breathed and projected for right. longer than five to 10 minutes. I tried to right. teach, try to teach my wife and my father-in-law code and barely got through 10. So wow. it's been an unfortunate kind of scheduling, but I'm on the mend. And in the meantime, I've been spending my time learning uh, React testing, test-driven development, and um, some Node stuff. So threw some learning in there, even though I guess I should have been sleeping. How about yeah, you? I'm sure I'm sure you slept when you needed to. So yeah. Uh, overall, good. Uh, Megan and I had a nice chat uh, last week over on on this old app. Uh, yep. while you were recovering. So uh, that was good. Flew into Austin today um, here for a conference, uh, the Restaurant Facility Maintenance Association Conference. So um, this is for construction specialties. Gonna uh, We have a booth, so we're an exhibitor. Um, yeah. Going to be here through Wednesday. Um, today was typical day you fly in, for a conference um, activity. So I flew in, went to the convention center, registered, um, and then came back to the hotel to rest up just a bit. And then I needed, you know, drinks, food. Uh, we're giving out little um, val- uh, candy hearts at the booth because um, everybody loves candy. And since it's hmm. Valentine's Day week, I figured candy hearts were the best. So I'm sure you're uh, the only people that thought of that. I bet not a lot did. I, I, I <laughs> we're going to revisit this in a couple of weeks and we'll see how, how <laughs> right my guess was. All right. Um, but I, I have a feeling we're, we're going to be one of a few, only a few. Um, but, uh, but no, I was, I was scrambling around trying to get back so we could record this. Um, so, the way we did it is, is my, my brother-in-law is here with a different company. He, uh, he, he works for, he's the main salesperson for a different company. Um, and he was at a different hotel, but he's got the car. So I went over there, grabbed the car, drove to the various places I needed to go, dropped the car off. And as I'm, it's, it's about, it's about 15 minutes before you and I were supposed to get on when I, when I finally broke away from there and I'm like, man, I, I, I gotta get back. It's a very light drizzle. I don't really want to be out here. And I'm like, Oh, you know what? I've seen the, the, the scooters laying all over the sidewalks. I'll just sure. sign up for one of those and, and just use that. And that'll save me, you know, two minutes or whatever. Um, but Hey, it's an experience, right? You gotta try it once to know what it's like. Which one did you uh, use? 
So in the hotel on, on the way downstairs, I downloaded the bird app because bird yeah. is all I could think of. I couldn't think of the name of the other one. Lime. So I downloaded the bird app. I step outside. There are two lime scooters sitting. There. <laughs> so I download the lime app. And of course, it's not a long time, but it takes, you know, 60 seconds to download and install. So, you know, already I've lost a minute or two. And so then I knew I was going to have to enter my my information, you know, my email address, my credit card. But again, I'm like, that's a minute, minute and a half. It won't be that long. And I get the experience of doing it. So I, uh, I finish all that. I, and, and went through the sign-up pro- process, you normally have your terms of service. Yeah. All right. This is where it ran. This is where it all came crashing down, um, figuratively. So in the terms of service, you have to be 18. There are six boxes. I don't remember them all, but you have to be 18. It says you cannot ride on the sidewalk. You must ride on the road. Well, yeah. the road I was next to is a four lane road, you know, with cars going 45, 50 miles an hour. <clears throat> I don't know about that. Um, you have to, it's, it's illegal to ride without a helmet. I'm like, well, who the heck just carries a helmet around just for the heck of it? So uh, I, I checked all the boxes, but I was like, well, now I could do it. But you know that, that the police are probably out there looking for exactly this, exactly riding on sidewalks, exactly riding without a helmet, that sort of thing. So I'm like, uh, I won't chance it. So all that build up and all that hype and all, it all came crashing down. Did, and I just walked back. Did, well, the I guess the question is, did you see anyone else using them? Uh, let me think. Maybe earlier this afternoon I saw one person using it without a helmet yeah. on the sidewalk. I don't think many people, uh, like I've used them. I don't think many people use helmets. I don't think many people right. listen to their mothers anymore. Right. But, and and that if it had said it's advisable to wear a helmet, I'd be like, yeah, you're right. It is. I don't have one. So I'm just going to go with that. But it said it's illegal to ride without a helmet. I'm like, all right, I could do this, save myself a couple minutes. But if I get pulled over and ticketed, that's probably at least a $25 ticket. Knowing knowing cities, probably 50 I don't know um, that the police in these cities are really doing that, to be honest. Unless they don't like the service, which very well could be the case, right? Um, I just, I, I wasn't going to risk it. <laughs> so all that hype and nothing. So anyway, um, <laughs> what I wanted to talk about today, uh, experience we had today, uh, not today, this week with Aspire EDU. So um, I don't know how prevalent this was in the um, in the tech news. I don't remember seeing it on Twitter anywhere except well, for the very specific ones. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. But uh, Mandrel went down. Um, this was back on, ooh, I want to say Tuesday. I could be wrong on the exact date. Um, but Mandrel went down. And so we use Mandrel uh, to handle some of our email processing, mostly incoming, of um, attendance reports from schools. So uh, there's an app that Canvas has called Roll Call, um, and it sends an email 
I think it's an Excel file. It might be a CSV. Um, if you sign up for it, it sends a CSV to you and it's up to you to do something with it. Um, so we, we've built an integration to do something with it, but Mandrill went down. So all of a sudden the, I think about a third of our schools have signed up for these attendance reports to be brought into their complete dashboard. All of a sudden that's not working and it's causing us, it's not that it caused the whole thing to go down. It caused little things to look a little weird. Um, so the first thing uh, the developers did was disable it. They said, okay, we'll just disable it in the code and it'll go away. And then all of a sudden a whole section of the dashboard went away and we're like, Oh, we can't do that. So we, we tweaked the code a little to where we could deal with no reports coming in. So this is the first time we've had a third party service go down on us for less, for more than half a day. Um, and we're sitting there in the afternoon getting past five o'clock and it's still not up. And there's still, I think I'm trying to remember the exact timeline. I think by the afternoon they said, yeah, we have to flush our Postgres database and there's no good way to tell what the, um, progress is on that. So we don't know how long we'll be down. And that's, so going back to, did people know about it? I can yeah. Tell you that the, the I, you told me about it first, but then in my weekly newsletters, there's a lot of there are a couple articles about the actual Postgres issue they ran into and why sure. why they couldn't just flip a switch and fix it. So right. it was a significant issue that they ran into with a at a company of their scale. It was one of those things that was preventable, but the fact, but because it caught them un, like unaware, they just kind of got stuck in a bad spot. Right, right. And I don't know if you want to dive just a little bit deeper into the technical part of that, which which we can do in a minute. Um, to to go further with what we did by about mid afternoon, when we saw the announcement of what the problem was, we're like alternatives. We, we have to get off Mandrill. Now, this was an easy decision for us um, because we were already, it was already in our backlog to get off Mandrill. Um, and the reason being is we, we use Python Django um, and the Mandrill Python library is no longer being maintained by MailChimp. Mm -hmm. Um, So that means we could not upgrade Python to 3.7. We were back, we were back at a a point release, Um, which is fine, but it was eventually going to be a problem. Um, When it, when, when we got to two point releases away, then it was going to be even a bigger problem. Um, so we knew this day was coming. Um, it just so happened that <laughs> that day was the day yeah. um, and we had to do it in a scramble. So, um, we, we looked at a, we looked at a number of services. Um, I think you suggested SendGrid. Um, we looked at, uh, Postmark. Yeah. Like that and one. we looked at, that's a good one. 
Uh, we looked at Amazon SES as well. Um, so the, the discussion we, we were having on Slack, uh, the, the, the lead developer was saying, well, we can go with Amazon SES with all its normal Amazon complexities, but it's less expensive. Or we can go with Postmark or SendGrid, which are, you know, roughly in the same area. Um, they've got different, um, they've got different ways of doing templated emails. Um, SendGrid uses handlebars and Postmark uses mustachio. Mm. Uh, for, for their templating language. Um, our current plan on Mandrill had 50,000 sends um, as, and that we had never exceeded that. So we used that as our benchmark. So we went ahead, made the switch over to Postmark. Um, we can dive into why Postmark versus SendGrid another day. I think at the end of the day, it had to do with um, had to do with the templating language. I think. Um, but at a more abstract discussion point, yeah, it's about don't trust your providers. Like we're we're very fortunate in our line of work where the, the downtime of our providers is usually very slim. I mean, right. th this mandrel outage is a was a big deal because they've been going strong for a decade, and they don't have they haven't had those kind of issues. Um, yeah. As a rule for when I have a production app that has a high volume and a strong dependency of the service, I typically either myself or someone on the team will abstract the service. So that the only thing in our code, the only thing our code really does is says, send email, send notification. And then there's a, we've abstracted the actual sending so that it can go one of two ways. So an, an, an app that I've had, that I did a while back, we had two email service providers that we could go to. One was Mandrill. The other was maybe SendGrid. I can't remember. And we used Mandrill, but we always, but we had the other service set up. It was only going to cost us money if we used it. And we had the code and the configuration set up so that if all the, the only thing that we had to do was change an environment variable and say, use SendGrid. And so the implementation of sending the email was strictly looking for if you're using Mandrill, follow this config. If you're using SendGrid, use this config. And so if at any point the primary Mandrill had gone down, we would just swap it and within minutes we would be back online in theory to use the other provider. And we we did that as a kind of oh, we were over optimizing in a sense, but of course now the scenario you ran into it's like oh that wouldn't have been over optimizing, but that's no not in that case. <clears throat> I've done that with other in as a rule of 
protecting our app from downtime. I've done it where I had the, like we were using Heroku for the hosting platform. And because we needed uptime for this app for a weekend, it was like a, is during the Super Bowl or something. So we really couldn't afford it to go down because the whole idea was the capture of um, marketing data for that window. So we actually had an engine yard install set up right there. And basically, the only thing we would need to toggle is where is the DNS pointing for this thing? Which wouldn't have been ideal. It would have still taken an hour probably to migrate all that. But the idea was we had two installations of this app ready to go. If we if one went down, we'd flip it to the other. So that's, in my mind, how you prevent downtime is when you use external providers for vital services, choose more than one and then have your code with the setup of the ability to use either one at any given time. That's how I've approached it. Yes. And in a perfect world, that's the right way to do it. Although in a perfect world, nothing goes down. Yeah. Um, but it, that takes time. Um, mm-hmm. cause when you're setting it up, you a have to write it in an abstract fashion. Um, and then B you have to write the, the more than one, um, hooks into each of those services. Um, and when you're going, when you're going down the road and you're just trying to get something working, uh, it, it doesn't always lead to being able to do that. And you end up in this situation. I'm not saying, I'm not saying only going with a single provider is the right way to do it. I'm saying it's a choice. Um, is the choice we made. It bit us a little, um, a little, but the not, end of the- but like in hindsight, was your choice to use only one provider? Did it really hurt you that much? No. Yeah. I, I, outside of outside of the little bit of inconvenience the customers had on a portion of their dashboard. Um, and that's that's kind of why the decision, that's why we didn't um, optimize it for, you know, uh, abstract it away and, and make it so that we could switch <clears throat> at, at any time is it wasn't mission critical. Um, the most mission critical third party service we use is Heroku slash um, Amazon. And I would even say it's really Amazon because if Heroku goes down, which it's done, um, the CLI has been messed up or whatever. That just means we can't push new things. Yeah. Um, but if, if there's production code out there, it's not on Heroku. It's out there on Amazon. So. When Heroku CLI goes down, that doesn't affect production. It just product it just affects our ability to make changes. So, um, so based maybe I'm jumping ahead on what you want to talk about, but do you see feel the need to do a post mortem for your user base on this outage to arrive at what result would be my question? Because they all were stranded without that dashboard piece and they oh were uh, so you mean you mean an email yeah. an email to the user base saying 
when you said postmortem, I took that as a, you know, a, a investigation and all that. that uh, you, you mean an email to the user base saying, here's what happened. Here's how yeah. we dealt with it. Here's what it looks like in the future. Um, we do that very well. I think we do that very well. I, I actually don't write a lot of those. Um, the CEO is the main customer contact. Mm -hmm. So she writes a lot of those for this one. She said, write me a few sentences on what happened and, and what we're doing about it. This was in the middle of the, the outage. So, uh, my, my statement was essentially one of our third party providers is unavailable at the moment. We're monitoring what they're doing. And if they are unable to resolve their issue, we will go to a different service. And so she um, said to your user base from the CTO, we, Don chose the wrong service. He screwed up. Sorry for the problem. <laughs> she usually does not uh, put it that way. No. Uh, and, and usually when I say that, and, and I, I, I will, whenever I have to write these, because usually when they're more technical, she has me put some words together. Um, and I've even, if it looks like it's our fault, I've even been the one to send the email just so it comes from me saying, yeah. Hey, this was a technical team problem. This is what we're doing. This is how we're resolving it. So, um, most of the time it's been third parties yeah. and I, what I, I, I hate to say, I hate to say a third party provider is no longer providing service or is down at the moment because that feels like shifting the blame, but it's also the absolute truth. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think we, I don't think it's on us to take all the blame for something like that. Um, how we react to it, yes, is on us. Um, what we do to make it more resilient in the future is on us. Um, I never use, unless I think once I use the name of the service and I think it was because it was Amazon. Um, but rarely do I name the service because that feels to me like throwing them under the bus. Yeah. Um, and, and really it, we all have, pro we all have issues that arise. So I don't feel like throwing people under the bus. Um, and plus that, that feel, if I name them, that feels even more like finger pointing. Um, whereas if I just say, Hey, a third party service of ours, then I don't feel like I'm finger pointing. I feel like I'm explaining. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I ran into a problem with a service once where I had to explain to a couple of customers why we were down and it's like, I don't, people don't really necessarily care. Like, Hey, it was a third party provider, but I, I agree with, I agree with you pointing fingers and, kind of pushing that off is unless unless there was a question of who the heck are you using and you have to say you know nobody got fired for choosing ibm kind of thing then i don't see yeah it doesn't benefit you to people are people are using your service because they're trusting you to make the good choices of those third right. parties so it doesn't necessarily get you off the, the, the off the the pressure off you if you just say, "Well, it's Amazon's fault," because it's yeah. like, "Well, yeah, you have other alternatives in Amazon too. You could choose Google, you could choose Azure." So, yep, 
it doesn't, I, I agree with you. It doesn't benefit you to kind of point fingers, um, unless people are specifically asking, um, due to maybe continuous downtime or something. Yeah. And that's usually, usually if it's, uh, and that may have been the time I named the service, um, was it was an extended downtime. So on our status page, I actually linked the status updates of the service. I, again, I think it was Amazon. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, to be quite frank, we have, um, we have a way to move off Amazon if we have to. Um, but most everyone's canvas instance runs on Amazon. Yeah. So if Amazon is down. They're not getting into canvas. If they're not getting into canvas, they can't log into our application. Therefore they'll never know we're down. Yeah. We'll tell them because I, I, there's no need not to at that point. Um, but at that point, it's one of those things where we've had we've seen those a couple of times where Amazon goes down and half the services on the internet disappear um, because they're all running on it. Yeah. So we have ways of getting off. Um, it would take us. It would take us a day. Um, but we could get running again if we had to on something else. And I think that's acceptable. Um, but that, that was really, I mean, in the end, we, we, we moved on, um, one little gotcha we found, um, the initial reason we use Mandrel, it was, it was the least expensive one. And we kind of liked MailChimp's templating system. So there yeah. were two things, right? It, it was le least expensive and the templating system was really nice, really easy for the CEO to use and, and, and create new emails to go out. Um, cause we use it for both inbound and outbound. Yeah. I mean, man, um, Mandrill and MailChimp used to be the fun company to use for email. I mean, right. like I think I set up a ton of clients on them. And they it was a they had a humorous approach to customer service and documentation. Clients felt comfortable with it. Um, I think I feel like it's changed a lot in the last few years. Probably VC driven or something. I don't know. But yeah, they um, they've lost a lot of business because of the way that they treated. Like they onboarded everyone for free and then just kicked everyone out all of a sudden and. I'm not arguing that probably wasn't smart for them because of cost, but it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and it changed the kind of the way people felt about them, I think. So, yeah. So let's, let's switch gears real quick and talk about what you would do if the database provider went away, it just went down. Like you, you couldn't like, what do you, do like I can't think of any many other Heroku services that are ultra critical, um, other than yeah. compared to Heroku Postgres. So and Her and Heroku Postgres sits on Amazon. Yeah, but what if all of a sudden those databases went away? What would what's your recourse? We have backups, um, and we have backups off of. 
the backup service. Mm-hmm. So we have we have nightly backups that we can pull, and we've we've got regular backups that we can pull from a different location in case the whole thing goes down. Yeah. Um, that literal that is probably literally the hardest part of any switch um, is moving the data. Have um, you practiced rec- restoring? We we've rest- we have not restored a full database. We've restored a partial. Um, so that's not a complete answer. Um, but we have gone through the process of re- restoring it. The reason we haven't gone through full is d- due to the sheer size. Um, again, we've talked about what we're doing with our database splitting. When we get further down that road to where we've got a lot of little databases, all of a sudden it's real easy to do that. Yeah. And we can do, we can do a complete, um, test, but that is absolutely something we should do. And I'm comfortable enough with the results of our partials, um, that I'm comfortable with that as an answer. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing about database backups that I always hear people talk about. And I've heard disaster stories where they try to restore the database and they can't. Um, right. And that's the worst. So like I've, I can say without any hesitation that on every app I've ever worked, I'm, I, I've gone through a process of pull a backup, restore it, get it working on a local, make sure that it's like, there's no corruption in it. Um, and then in our readme, we have instructions for anyone that would be on the team. How would you recover a backup? What are the commands you would use? How do you, you know, check it and all that good stuff? So sure. that's what's really important, I think, is, you know, if, if your database provider service goes down and you are on vacation, you're in Austin, Texas, and you flipped your scooter over a car and you can't, and you're at the ER because you weren't wearing a helmet, of course. Um, (laughs) If like, who else can follow the instructions to restore that database other than you? And that's, that's what's really important for backups and stuff is one, are there instructions for someone that doesn't know how to do it? Two, do people know how to get to those instructions? Three, has that process actually been done to make sure it works? Um, Four, is there another service you have access to to get that database running? Because if, in theory, if Heroku Postgres is down, then Amazon Postgres is down or EC2 or whatever they're hosting that stuff. So you're going to need to get on board somewhere else to host it. So that means like DigitalOcean or... Um, but there are, there are plenty of services yeah. out there that, that have but so now do you, I, I say that, I say that, I say there are plenty of services out there for that. But if Amazon were to go down and people start scrambling, those things are going to disappear fast. Yeah. That's what, yeah. And that's why people do reserve instance, like bigger firms will actually reserve accounts on something that they don't use, but they have it there ready to go and yep. they can boost it up. I mean, I'm pretty sure engine yard is based on Amazon, but I think you can 
I think you can choose rack space instead. And uh, sure. so I, I believe um, you can choose the platform. I haven't looked at engineer. I mean, at the end of the day, if, if Amazon went down and people were scrambling, you could probably get to Google and find enough. We could probably find enough space on Google if nothing else. Um, but Google is in of itself its own. It's not like, you know, spinning up a Linux instance, I don't think, um, without Kubernetes, because I think you've got to be on Kubernetes to get into get theirs working. Yeah. Um, but that's and and to be to be completely transparent, if if we had to make a database move like that, that would probably make our whole database splitting thing actually easier. Um, cause all of a sudden we can say, you know what, let's take an extra 12, 18 hours and get these databases split and be done with it. Um, because that's really what we're waiting on is times to take the database down so that we can move it yeah. around. Um, if the database is already down, well, we, we throw up the database somewhere we just split it real quick and then we put it back up, um, real quick. Nothing's real quick on a database as Mandrill found yeah. out, but. Um, but yeah, no, that, that was, that was good when, when it happened, um, like I said, like you said, you and I talked about it and I said, now we need to talk about this on, on this week's episode because it's, it's, it's a good topic. It's, it's very important. It even ties into all the security, um, discussions we've been having and people are going, why does it tie into security discussions? Because, um, when you're filling out these security questionnaires, disaster recovery, business recovery yeah. are all part of those questionnaires. Yep. Um, so the questions you're asking are, are very, very topical for that. Um, and I'm, and like I said, I'm comfortable with the answers I give, um, because I'm comfortable that in a, in a scenario where we've got to do all that, we can make the change we need we need to in order to get everything set up. So when you, so what did you, I guess this is kind of tacking on to the end, but maybe we, we should talk about the beginning when it went down, what did you do to find out what was going on? Well, that was interesting. Um, there wasn't a lot um, out there. We eventually had to, we eventually, we were watching Mandrill's tw Twitter feed and that's what really started to, Hone us in on on what they were like. They doing. don't. Have, they do. They have um, a status page like status Mandrill. I don't. I, I don't. I don't remember to be honest. Um, I assume they do, but it wasn't getting updated <clears throat> with the answer as far as what was going on. It was just uh, we are down, um, sort of thing. So we actually saw the update on what the issue was on Twitter sooner than we did on their status. Page. Like, isn't it weird that the world's biggest cesspool of messages? is also our unofficial status checker system. <laughs> I mean, I do, I, I do the same thing. I had someone, I had a, a client I work with reach out to me and, and say, like, hey, I just got a warning from my alerting monitoring system. Why, why do you think my site's down? And I go and look at this uh, Squarespace and they're having, you know, they're, everyone's going crazy on Twitter about it. And like, there's another one called Status Gator, I think, that tracks stuff. 
um, for, hmm. I think the idea is that they check the status of these services, but I don't see, I honestly right. don't see an official status for Mandrill. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I was saying. I'm not sure we ever found one. Um, and we just looked on Twitter's page. Uh, we were, we were following their Twitter feed and just looking in general to see what was so going on. Status. So, uh, Mandrillapp.com redirects to Twitter. <laughs> that's, there you go. That's nuts. That, 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 that's the answer. That's so weird, man. Um, that's, and, and I don't want to pile on. I don't want to beat a dead horse. I don't want to whatever other cliche you can think of. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Um, just just from, like, again, we were already planning on moving off for other reasons. Um, them, say, them saying they weren't going to support any future versions of Python, that meant we were moving at some point. It was just a matter of taking the yeah. time to do it. Um, now, that either speaks to them as a company or Python as a... Um, popular, I won't say viable, popular app to use or language to use to build SaaS on. Um, it's probably more the latter than the former um, because there's not a ton. There are Python, Django, um, SaaS out there, but a lot of them are written in something yeah, else. Yeah, I would say Rails and Node are kind of taking the forefront yeah. these days. I mean, Python is used for the data stuff like crazy now, but. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's real big there. It, it's even really pretty much killed off R. I, I, I've, I've used, I've used both for data analysis. I much prefer R. Um, but yeah, Python's become the language du jour for data. Analysis. I mean, I'm still always in a debate um, of rails for the long term versus node, but it's, I just know it so well and it, it's so easy to get stuff going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there, I, I, I'd be surprised if you really had to move off rails onto node. I have a feeling just the way these things work, there's something else coming. That'll be more <laughs> of a thing um, than, than node will be. Um, but I'm, I mean, not, and this is me. I I I much prefer Node to 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 anything else. React React Server. Um, I it'll be it it'll be React Server will be the next big thing. <laughs> and it'll be it'll be complete horse crap as a server, but because it says React, we'll start using it. Yeah, except that how much? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how much. The backlash against Facebook uh, uh, of whatever backlash there is, is going to be held against React long term. I think it, if any, it'll be minor. Um, worst case, worst case it's I, view I wins think, out and that's not really bad at all. I mean, yeah, that, that's not that's not bad at all. I mean, again, we've talked about it before. That leads you more to an angulary world. I don't but think so. Angular I've, was very. I mean, popular. when we talk about hooks, views already got their hooks game going. Like they just blatantly will copy yeah. it and go like, "Yeah, well, we'll have that feature." I mean, I was showing Megan 
react and view as like, hey, this is what a front-end framework is. And truly, the the view right. is like the easiest one to explain. So, oh, so I it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, we're getting off topic here, but um, yeah, we have a lot of great tools at our behest. It's just a matter of which one should you choose. In your case, Django still does the job, so there's never a reason to change. But yeah, and it would it it would be it'd be extremely difficult to make a switch, yeah. right? Um, once you built a SaaS on a framework, rebuilding it on a different framework, I, I just that 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 sounds expensive. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and when you're a company that's that's all you know, just a, a small company that's that's not venture backed that that does does the job with a small team. You don't look at things like switching. Yeah, you don't need a greenfield or anything. You make what you have work unless you have to. Well, eventually you'll you have to go to microservices because that's the coolness. So then you can write whatever code you want for all those services until you go and say, you know what, this is a pain <laughs> in the butt to maintain. Let's go back to a monolith. And then you can get in that. In that yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then you that's just a nice seesaw, right? You just seesaw yeah. back and forth. <laughs> it gives somebody some work. So, uh, Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, my, my voice is about to give out, I think. So, yeah, um, I'm sure. I'm anyway, sure. you know, I... I, I feel like you can get away with using the scooters without a helmet, especially in Austin where everything like they like to keep things weird and free. Uh, Are you paying my ticket? The ticket? Oh. If I get ticketed, are you paying my no, ticket? No, you're an adult. You can cover your own <laughs> your responsible <laughs> actions. But I I mean <laughs> I, I believe in Chicago you're supposed to, and Atlanta, where I've also seen them. And I don't know how they get away with it, but I don't know. It's worth... Ch- it's They are... The scooters... Here's the thing. The scooters are fun. Using them at night, I wouldn't... I'd be very careful to do. Um, the thing about... Right. The, the problem with the scooters... My first experience using them was in Santa Monica on a beach path. That was awesome because it was geared for pedestrians and bikers and it's very smooth. Sure. But then my, the time I used it in Chicago, the roads are not built for scooters and hitting a pothole or even a small bump. You have no idea what that's like, like on a scooter because the wheels are so small and you're going really much faster than you can kind of respond to. I hit a some kind of metal spike sticking up on the road, and I almost flipped. So I would definitely be more careful using those scooters based on my own experience, but um, and definitely not in, when it's dark. But Well, it, it, speaking, speaking of near-death experiences, I, I, I had one of those tonight where I'm like, yeah, I just see how I could have died just now. So I was, I was walking across, I was crossing the street, um, not at a crosswalk, of course. Yeah. Um, and I, I was waiting on, on a car to pass, but I anticipated it. So I anticipated the car passing me. So as it's approaching, 
I take a step towards the edge of the road and didn't see that there was a little raised area right there before you got to the edge of the road. Yeah. So the toe, my toe caught it just so lightly um, that, that it didn't cause me to lose balance or anything. But I'm like, holy cow, if I had caught that anymore, I was going over into the path of that car. And there's nothing that car could have done to stop. Yeah. I'm like, I just saw how I could have died just now. Doesn't happen often, but that was one way. So, <laughs> but here's the thing: if you wreck, the last person you'll see is Matthew McConaughey standing over your body, saying like, "Welcome to Austin." That's he's <laughs> there. he's everywhere there. I think he is. He's so, everywhere, everywhere. You teach. All right, all right, all right. I told you to all wear right. a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm totally losing it now, but. That's um, all right. I think that's the I think that's the the best way to wrap this up. <laughs> so. All right. Well, I will continue to uh, take medicine and get my lungs cleared out so that I can come back to speaking with the projection and power I need. But uh, <laughs> we will we will have a good trip in Austin. Enjoy Thanks. the conference, and uh, we will talk soon. Sounds good. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the CTO Think Podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach. Licensed by PremiumBeat.com. Voiceover work by MeganVoices.com. You'll hear from us next week.